This podcast of Wheat Pete's Bird is brought to you by the new Prozero Pro Fungicide. Good day and welcome to Wheat Pete's Word here on RealAgriculture.com for Wednesday, May the 26th. On this episode of The Word, a million dollar rain. Well, maybe for those that got it. Then we've got some notes on the hay crop. Corn replants. Are you kidding me? Then it's wheat fungicide T3 timing. We've got lots of notes about about that. After that, yellow wheat, virus in wheat, weed control in wheat. And I hope I have time to get to insects because some cool stuff on that if I can find the time. Let's go. First off, rain. As I do the word this morning, Wednesday, May 26th, glorious rain across most of Ontario, not all of Ontario, and not everywhere getting quite enough. But do we break the drought? We will wait and see. More rain forecast on Friday. But Bill from Central Ontario saying the driest May where he is since 1954. Oh my gosh, that means driest May for more than my lifetime. Only 12 millimeters of rain. I'm not sure if Bill's going to get any out of this particular rainstorm or not, but that is dry. Half an inch, 12 millimeters, really, really dry. Meanwhile, for the growers that did get, I'm hearing up to four tenths, maybe even half an inch in some areas. Oh, it will save those soybeans in transition. I cannot believe the number of growers that did not get soybeans into moisture. We just have to get better. A lot of good-looking soybeans as well. But boy, it will definitely be a million-dollar rain for those growers that needed it and didn't get that perfect job done. All right. Uh, By the way, before we leave that, Orvi saying, hey, Peter. I harvested my triticale. Oh my gosh, it's dry. I want to summer seed my my hay crop. I'm going to put it in right away. How long will that grass seed survive in dry soil? Eh, I think the answer, Orvi, is a long, long time. Hopefully you've gotten moisture. But man, I go back to the drought of 88. We had soybeans in dry soil that we planted on, I don't know, the 10th of May. They sat in dry storage until the 17th of July when it finally rained. In the deep southwest, it actually that year never rained until September. There were soybeans that, that germinated in September. Grass seed's not that much different. If it's in dry soil, it will sit there until it rains. Put it in, hopefully it rains, and it gets going. On that note... Oh my gosh, the hay crop is awesome, apparently. So my good friend Gilles on the agribusiness call this morning in eastern Ontario. So Gilles is from in that eastern Ontario area, and his comment was, the hay yields have been shockingly good. I love that, shockingly good. Quote of the day, hay crop uh, out in eastern Ontario. Ashley Napton on Twitter, Captain Napton, also saying, boy, excellent hay yields where the hay was fertilized and 
Hay crops take out a ton of potash and a lot more phosphorus than, than we think. In fact, I have growers saying we aren't selling the straw this year because, man, it takes away too much potash at today's prices. You just, they got to pay more for that straw. And I mean, straw doesn't take out anything compared to hay. So for the growers that fertilized, even though in many cases the hay was, the alfalfa was not that tall, it was a super thick crop. I'm seeing the same thing in the wheat crop. It's going to be short, but it's thick, so it doesn't mean low straw yields necessarily. That's a really good news standpoint. Uh, the, The cereal rye, exactly the same thing. So the growers that put their nitrogen on early, and remember, this is for forage. This is not for grain. We're not letting it go through the grain filled process. If you, if you pounded the nitrogen to the rye or the triticale or whatever early, the forage crops have been excellent, even though they're not that tall, where growers you know, did not fertilize that crop or even split applied on, on the forage crop. It just, if you want to make forage, it's early nitrogen. If you want to make grain, it's a different nitrogen approach. But awesome that the early yields are looking excellent. Meanwhile, Marco from Mexico, a quick note, because Marco was, was really kind. Remember, we talked about Marco saying, super dry in Mexico and uh, under irrigation and he was ready to harvest. He sent me his notes from seven to nine tons per hectare under irrigation in Mexico on Durham and hard red and soft uh, red wheat, soft white wheat as well, I think. But that's, for those of you who don't understand, tons per hectare, that's 100 to 130 bushels per acre. Not just quite as good as they maybe would have hoped, but they actually ran out of irrigation water for the third irrigation, and that can hit you pretty hard, no question about that. But cool stuff, absolutely. Okay, moving on, and corn replants. How how can you have corn replants when it's dry? And yeah, it was cool, but gosh, it wasn't that cold. Ah, so there are areas... In particular, when we get up into North Wellington uh, and across through Simcoe and Dufferin and that cooler area of the province right through and across into parts of central Ontario, corn planted April 27th. That is the bad news day. And so uh, Paul Hermans, James Dau, both from Pioneer, uh, reporting similar things. Deb Campbell from Agronomy Advantage doing tons of scouting through that region, saying, boy, planted that, particularly April 27th, what happened? Well, first off, the soil, it was dry on the top. Everybody told me, and I didn't believe it, but everybody said in that late April time frame, oh, man, she's never been better conditions working the dirt, man. This is the best we've ever planted the crop. It was dry on the surface. And in particularly up there in the cooler climates, it takes heat to dry that soil out. It looked good on the surface, but underneath it was just not as fit as people thought. It was a crappy forecast. It was cold temperatures coming in. Most of us didn't even feel it because we didn't get any rainfall or very little rainfall. That area got two inches of cold rain over five days and absolutely you put together a soil that that really wasn't quite ready and then you put on top of it cold temperatures and five days of continuous showery weather adds up to two inches 
They have cold imbibition injury in corn fields. A lot of fields in that 25 to 27,000 final when they dropped 32 to 35,000, even some higher than that. Those stands are good enough to leave, although Deb Campbell says that last year in 2020, that reduced stand was a 30 bushel per acre yield hit. Meanwhile, the most affected stands, the stands that uh, more residue, uh, maybe colder soils underneath that residue, some no-till fields coming in at fifteen to 22,000 final, those are getting replanted. There is a great replant corn calculator on the Grain Farmers of Ontario website. Go there. What always astounds me about corn replants is how much difference it makes, whether or not you are carrying replant insurance from Agricor. But uh, that will help you out as you go through that thought process. Just before we leave corn, a caller saying, hey, Peter, even emergence. Like, is that as important in silage corn as it is in grain corn? Because you make such a big deal about that. Oh, my gosh. Silage is 50% grain. And so if it makes a big deal for grain production, and that's 50% of your silage production, the answer is yes, yes, yes. Even emergence in corn plants matter. And by the way, those poorest corn stands generally are less even emergence. And that's as much as anything probably where that 30 bushel per acre yield hit comes on those, you know, kind of 27,000, 28,000 stands. On even emergence, you still get lower yield. Okay, we got to shift gears and talk about the real crop, the crop of all crops, the wheat crop, and it is heading out. So from Patty Summers down in, in the Niagara Peninsula, I love this quote, 40 days head to bread. I hadn't heard that one before, Patty. That's pretty good. Uh, by the way, I have always said six weeks heading to harvest and if you think about that, man, we are still early. I, some people saying that we, we are not early. We were two weeks early. Right now, I think we're at least five days and in most cases, seven or eight days early still. And I'm not pushing double crop soybeans, but it does put it into perspective if you use those 40 days or six weeks. By the way, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope that it takes more than 40 or 42 days from heading to harvest because the longer it takes means the longer the grain fill process is, which means more yield. Every day of added grain fill in Ontario is four bushels per acre of added yield, and we need those four bushels. No question about that. But on that note, it is time for the T3 fungicide, the Fusarium fungicide. A really excellent note this morning from Alex at CNM Seeds. For goodness sakes, for goodness sakes, for goodness sakes, tank cleanout, boom cleanout, end cap cleanout. If you have anything, glyphosate or, or group 2 herbicides or any, anything left in the tank at all, wheat at pollination is so sensitive and you just bang the yield. So super job of clean out. Please, please, please. And don't forget the end caps because they have often been problematic if your boom has dead heads and end caps. Meanwhile, we are rolling at T3s down in the deep southwest. The winter barley crop is ready for the T3 application in the London area. And Chad, my great friend Chad from the bread basket says, okay, Peter, like, do I spray a T3 when it's this hot? This dry and this little disease. Well, man, from Joanna Fallings, the cereal specialist at Ministry of Agriculture and Food, 
the Doncast model goes from green to red pretty quickly as we get into some rainfall. So if you're getting these rainfall events, I think that definitely changes the answer or at least changes that thought process. We have had a lot, most growers put on more nitrogen and in order to use that added nitrogen we put on, because by the way, even with the, the markets not as good as they were, wheat is still 750 a bushel. We want those bushels. Well, you have to have green leaves. And so to Paul in Quebec and Jamie in Washington State, stay green from fungicides is real. There's no question about that. And every day that you keep the plant green through grain fill is another three bushels per acre every day. So keep that stay green is incredibly important. Having said that, Chad, my goodness, if it stays super dry, if you miss the rain today, you miss the rain on Friday, I mean, you can't get more yield if you don't have some water to make that yield. And the other thing that really nailed us last year is high temperatures. You go down into Essex and Kent last year in 2020, and we sprayed T3 fungicides, and the yield increase was very small. It was from, I don't know, zero basically to maybe two bushels per acre. Why? 30 days through grain fill where the temperature went over 30 degrees Celsius. And the wheat crop essentially, it it just goes backwards almost when we get those high temperatures. So... The high temperatures shorten the grain fill, reduce the photosynthetic efficiency of the wheat crop. So, so there are cases where you keep the plant greener and you don't get more yield. But man, with these prices, we just have to go after it. With it. You can't quit now because it's a long way. It's 40 days at least and hopefully 45 from head to bread. And if so, then we have to keep that, uh, that crop green okay andy asking oh peter t3 applications what are the best nozzles you know this is a really interesting thing we have to paint the head that's a vertical target in order to do that we have to have the spray shoot forward and shoot back and originally we thought that was all we had to do but we've learned so much more it actually as much as anything comes down to droplet size And I have growers who will tell me that they're using nozzles and they'll say to me, Peter, we are fogging that fusarium fungicide on. Just, it's a fog. We we are covering everything. No, you are not. Because those really fine particles, any wind at all, and they blow one direction. You think about throwing that little wee particle into the wind or into the direction of your travel, the air resistance stops it immediately and it goes whichever direction the wind does. So we need to have nozzles that have coarse droplets or at least medium droplets and even, you know, Extra coarse droplets are probably okay, which from a coverage standpoint, you would say, well, that's crazy because I get less coverage. But no, then we actually get both sides all, we get 360 degree coverage. So what are the best nozzles? Well, the 3D nozzles have been, uh, I was asked about, and the answer from Tom Wolf is that they are being used, but their droplet size is too fine to do a really good job. So the ultimate nozzle probably are these turbo flood jets, one forward, one back. Why? Not because they give the but best pattern or but but the direction the angle of attack is correct 
and mostly a turbo flood jet uses or gives bigger droplets. The forward back nozzles work as well, but remember you have to have coarse droplets or the 30, 70 degree nozzles also are good. Uh, Lots of things can work, but droplet size plays way more into that than what we ever thought. Couple more things on wheat. Head snag. It's out there again this year. In fact, Dave Hooker sending me a picture of a wheat field with about 75% of the heads just snagged like crazy. Most of the time, that head snag, as bad as it looks, it's it could be cold temperature related, but it's mostly genetics. I did a, a wheat school video a couple of years back. We'll link that here. End of the day, head snag rarely has a huge negative impact on yield, even though it looks horrible. All of the that uh, early wheat, the winter barley, we're talking lots about barley yellow dwarf virus. The results have come back positive for cereal yellow dwarf virus primarily, which is a complex with barley yellow dwarf virus. So that's what we were seeing in those yellow spots. In these other fields where the lower canopy has just gone all uh, spotted and, and flecked and streaks, we cannot find any virus to speak of. It looks primarily like it's physiological fleck. It's interesting it's in the lower canopy, but that is where we're finding it. Ryan from Saskatchewan saying, hey, Peter, uh, I heard somewhere that if you split the wild oat and the broadleaf herbicides apart on your spring wheat crop, that you'll get higher yields. Is that true? Did I dream that? So Eric Johnson, Dr. Eric Johnson contacted him from University of Saskatchewan. He's the guru on this kind of stuff. And Eric's response was, I know of no research that has found a yield loss from combining the, the grass and broadleaf herbicides. There are times when, when you don't get perfect weed control if you do that because maybe the grass weeds are there and the broadleaf weeds aren't yet. So timing might affect that. But in terms of yield loss from the two together, that just doesn't exist in the literature. And from my own experience, Ryan, I would say that once in a while, under really adverse weather conditions, you add the two together, you can see more phyto on the crop, and maybe in those rare exceptions, you might get a little yield loss, but a registered tank mix, all that happens out Western Canada, just can't imagine there is very much yield loss associated. With that, I am way over time. I'm going to shut it down. That's it. That's all. On behalf of the team here at realagriculture.com, this is Wheat Pete with the word for Wednesday, May the 26th. Keep the questions, the comments coming. I love it. And I will talk too long again next week. See you then. Prozero Pro is the only foliar fungicide to deliver ergot, fusarium head blight, and leaf disease protection in your cereal crops. A multi-mode of action solution with three powerful active ingredients, Prozero Pro provides exceptional protection in high disease situations.